Hello, I'm Andrew Hara, the host of The Bomb Squad. I wanted to tell you about my movies. All are available on Tubi, which is a free streaming service. The last ones is a zombie drama about how a pandemic and isolation could drive a group of people mad. When the virus hits, John finds himself alone and scared until he meets Michael, his protector. But when Karina, another survivor, enters the mix, everything that John and Michael knew will be turned on its head. The last one is a zombie virus movie that's somehow even more relevant today. Plus, it has zombies. Check it out. Borderland is a mexploitation film about living in El Paso. When Sarah finds herself in debt to the cartels, she has until sunrise to find some missing monies with the help of her executioner. Borderland is a true midnight movie and a lot of fun. Finally, the documentary Humble Spirits tells the story of the Hahn family, including champion Jennifer Hahn from El Paso, Texas. The entire Hahn family has grown up in the combat sports and has helped shape who they are both in and out of the ring. Humble Spirits, a family of fighters, is the perfect documentary for boxing fans of all ages. Check out Tubi to watch all my films. And now, let's start the show. Hello, and welcome to the Bomb Squad. We're redoing our summer of guests, although redoing is not the right word. I guess we're doing it again, um, which is redoing. I don't know why I overthink things. But anyway, welcome back to the Bomb Squad. And today we have a very special guest. We have Chandler Bullock, who I've been friends with for quite a while. Um, he's a writer. He does a lot of things. And I'm actually going to let him. And so, Chandler, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's awesome. Uh, really, you know, special guest. Well, you know, I guess. Uh, and then in whatever <laughs> ways you wish that is true, I accept. Uh, uh, well, yeah, so a little bit about me. Yeah, I am a writer in the sense of, you know, nonfiction writing about horror or your, your typical kind of critic, journalist, whatever op-ed kind of person. If I have thoughts, I will sometimes pitch them to a publication to see if they want other people to hear those thoughts. And uh, I've written for Morbidly Beautiful, uh, Something Ghoulish, which is now known as Phaser. That's P-H-A-S-R. And I've also written for FilmCred. I've got two articles there. Uh, and I'm also the host of my own podcast, which is the Beauty of Horror podcast, where I focus on film aesthetics with a bit of a, like a philosophy kind of twist. I'm sure I make a lot of academics very angry on it because <laughs> uh, it's a bit of the armchair kind of philosophy, even though that is my degree. And I know that my supervisor is kind of like, yeah, about the whole thing, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of fun where I interview guests and kind of challenge them to look at horror films just just through the lens of aesthetics and see what we can unpack just by looking at, you know, visuals and sound design and things like that. Cool. And anyone nice. who's curious, I was on an episode of You were the very early Beauty on of horror podcast. Yes. And so if you want to hear me completely focus on the hot, sweaty saxophone guy from The Lost Boys, go check <laughs> out that video. Because that's what I like Beauty of Horror. Oh, you mean the hot buff guy from The Lost Boys? You got it. <laughs> textbook definition absolutely yeah, exactly. absolutely there was a lot of uh sexy hot boy talk on that episode i love it <laughs> and as it was lost on us yeah yeah as is my brand um so yeah and also we have william of course uh josh this is the first episode josh isn't on he's celebrating love yes uh, seven <laughs> years of it. yeah it's seven years reason. yeah exactly so okay so on whenever we have guests on for their first time we always let them pick the movie. And so today, Chandler picked 
Jason Takes Manhattan, which <laughs> yes, is a part of the Friday the 13th movie. Um, and so before we get into it, William, will you give us... Uh, well, let me get into some of the technical stuff. It was directed by... Um, and it's all just, oh, oh, Rod Hedden, who had directed some episodes of the TV series. And, um, and it stars, it was from 1989, which I'll talk about a little bit later. It has Jensen Daggett as one of the stars. It also has Kane Hodder is playing Jason, who he's one of, I think he, if he's not the most popular Jason, uh, character actor, He's definitely the most well-known because I feel like everyone knows him as Jason. And uh, I actually met him on when we were doing the festival run for the last ones. He was also debuting a movie and he was super nice. So that oh, was kind of cool. cool. Huh. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So cool. William, I mean, it's kind of funny. It's like, William, tell us what the plot synopsis is, even though the title gives away what the plot synopsis is. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So... Just a little disclaimer, um, I'm not the most well-versed in the Jason universe, um, so I'm not sure if Rennie is like a character from any of the other films. There is but... not a single character in this movie that is from the others. Okay, okay, Wonderful. cool, cool. So in that case, um, essentially what's going on is we have a high school graduation, and a small group of students have chosen to go on a chaperoned boat trip um, to New York, city for a little tour and before they leave jason Voorhees is resurrected beneath the water with some cool electric cables and he sneaks aboard the boat um terrorizes everybody for a little while then they dock in manhattan and jason is released upon the city and everyone has to fight to survive essentially and that's about it yeah cool perfect hell yeah so Chandler, why did you pick uh, Jason in Manhattan? Jason, you Manhattan. told me I had to pick a film that needed defending, and boy, <laughs> does this film need someone in its corner. So I, I'm just appalled at the mistreatment that this movie gets. <laughs> I think that we have lost our sense of fun <laughs> as critics sometimes. Yeah. And uh, I'm don't get me wrong. Is this movie worthy of critique? Absolutely. But I think it is one of the more fun installments from the Friday the 13th franchise. And I especially feel that from this like zombie Jason era, apart from when he becomes a zombie and Jason lives, I feel it's the best one of those sequels. Okay. Yeah. Where does, and where does this fit in like chronologically with like the Jason zombie stuff? Like what eras, like what, which second? films are those? Like, so you have six, seven, eight, and I just kind of when you have uh, Jason goes to hell, but, you know, he's more of like a disembodied concept that possesses people in that film. But um, yeah, so you would have six, seven and eight would, I guess, be like the zombie the Jason trilogy. You can include Freddy versus Jason as well. Gotcha, and so gotcha. it, it, it was getting late in the run in general. But it was definitely we got used to this character at this point. I mean, he was on Arsenio Hall as promotion yeah. <laughs> for this movie so it got there but i just felt that it's quite interesting too because you know kane hodder is the most quintessential jason for a lot of people and that is pretty much because he was the majority of our zombie jason era oh jason x huh. as well sorry i forgot that one too. yeah he's also zombie jason in that okay one. and that was the one that's the space one right jason x yeah that's okay. the that's the one where he's uber jason uh yeah <laughs> and uh so, and here oh, yeah 
I was saying here is where people felt it was kind of like running off of the rails where I kind of felt like I was on this ride and I wanted to stay on it. So sure. It was kind of like a way to like kind of freshen up the series. It sounds like, like kind of making zombie zombie Jason, the, the new guy. And it's, well, it's funny. Cause I've always liked, I mean, I, maybe I just, cause I like monsters, but I've always liked zombie Jason as my favorite version of Jason, just because there's always like a face reveal and you always get to see like how the, that particular makeup artist or makeup company decided to make Jason's zombie face looks like. So mm-hmm. it's always been fun for me, but yeah. And this movie is kind of like Freddy's dead. It's like the Freddy's dead of the Jason franchise, Friday 13th, where <sighs> like Freddy's dead is also kind of like, Oh, everyone, even if I'm a Freddy fan, I don't like Freddy's dead. <laughs> and that kind of seems to be the main thing. And it, it kind of feels like the same thing happens with Jason, where like it's famously, I mean, Scream just announced that it's going to take place in New York and literally half the like tweets about it were just jokes about Jason takes Manhattan. Um, and so, yeah, I do feel like this movie is perfect for defending. So this is my first time watching this one, because even I had heard that it was really bad. So I kind of like had stayed away. And I feel like the Friday 13th franchise is the one that I've watched the least. Cause I, oh. I, I like, I was a big Freddy guy and it was kind of that okay. at, when we were growing up, it was like Marvel versus DC where you had to pick one and you couldn't, you couldn't cross. <laughs> and so I stuck with Freddy. So yeah, so this is very interesting watching. So I'll ask William first, William, what did you think of Jason takes Manhattan? Um, I thought it was okay. Um, I really liked when they actually got to Manhattan, I thought that Manhattan looked like super cool. Um, like the opening scenes, like the opening credits, like when they're showing the city and they have like that song playing that sounds kind of like, you know, like 80s pop with saxophones and stuff. It was like this kind of like fun, weird intro to this city. And the bow stuff was cool, but I was kind of like, I want to get back to the main action in the city. And so when they actually got to Manhattan, I thought it like really kind of started taking off for me there. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not really a huge Jason guy either. Um, this is probably like my fourth Jason movie to see. I've seen like the first one, uh, the one that was the 3D one, uh, Jason X in high school, and now this. So I, I wasn't sure if maybe I was just kind of like missing like some of the lore of Jason or like, I don't know. It seems to be like Chandler, you're like a really big fan of Jason. So this is kind of like a cool cut. Uh, for you, but I wonder, I don't know, I, I wonder if I was kind of like missing something. And I'm, I'm very curious as to like your reasons for wanting to defend this one so hard. Uh, you are correct in your assessment about my love of Jason. I think it's also, <laughs> I think I grew up with Jason more than the other slashers. I, I think he might have been the first one I really came across or maybe saw like the hockey mask really early as a kid. Yeah, which and... is super cool. Obviously. It's so cool. It's yeah. such a scary image, even if you don't yeah. know what it's about. You know, right. like just hockey players, I guess, already looked pretty intimidating at the time if that was a regular mask. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like you're right. There is some stuff that if you are a fan of the entire franchise, you're going to be picking up on with this film. But to be fair, I think this might have been one of the earlier ones that I saw, at the very least, chopped up on like the Sci Fi Channel or something. As right, right. So. The first one I saw in full was part two, scared the hell out of me. And <laughs> then, of course, yes, when I saw this one in full again as an adult, it wasn't as cool and memorable as I remember it being. But there, there's just something about it 
that keeps me coming back. And yes, as I come back to it more and more with my, you know, marathons of the franchise and watching the continuity and stuff, I just think it's a really wonderful little homage to the entire franchise. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Man. See, I will say that I've watched, I've, I've watched a bunch of them, but like I said, the Friday 13th isn't my favorite franchise. I always go towards monsters. Um, but I have to say, watching this movie, and maybe it was just a reaction to the the fact that I know that it's overly disliked. But I thought this movie was super cool. <laughs> like, it, it was, like, a lot of fun, and it was, um, like, it didn't, I mean, it took itself seriously, but it had, like, some camp to it, which I always love, especially in horror films. Especially, like, yeah. when, I mean, we kind of talked about this for Final Destination 5, but, like, once you're at you know, Jason takes Manhattan, which is, I think, like the sixth one. Um, you kind of have to switch things up a little bit. And so, like, kind of going a little bit towards campiness is, like, one of the coolest ways to do it. It's also why I like Freddy's Dead. And also, I, I just think, like, I do agree that once they get to New York, um, it is, like, way cooler. But even then, like, on the boat, I thought it was super fun. Like, there's a band there that's just, like, practicing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like why? Why are these kids like like this teacher like sucks like her uncle yeah. and like all these yeah. kids are like let's go on this like fucking boat ride with these like twisted ass like squares and like I was like no one's gonna go there unless there's booze and then all of a sudden there's booze and cocaine and I was like well that explains a lot <laughs> it was, got it yeah. got it <laughs> and like yeah because okay so the main characters are um the uncle who is playing like he is he uh in, the biology teacher yeah right? he looked like f murray abraham kind of <laughs> he looked like i feel like in the 80s there was abundance of guys who looked like the mean teacher because there was like every movie kind of needed one and so they had a lot of them yeah and it's his niece and she has been traumatized like she's scared of water and stuff yeah and really. uh, yeah and so, like, she does, like, they're not even sure if she wants to go, but she kind of, she, she wants to. And so she decides. And so it's just her and the uncle and a bunch of kids who are on, like, it's like their graduation. And it is funny because it starts off in New York and there's like a radio guy and he's like a Christian or he's some kind of religious, like, speaker. And he's just like giving this kind of cool Vincent Price style thriller monologue. And then it cuts oh, yeah. to this boat and these girls are like, they're talking about us because we're going to go visit there on our for like high school. And it's like, that's a good way to get a lot of exposition done without really having to. So I thought that oh, was yeah. a cool opening, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I liked the the boyfriend at the beginning's little speech, too, just to kind of like orient you a little bit about the Jason mythos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was that was I don't know. That was like such blatant like exposition. But for well, some reason, it was like this actually really works and was really helpful. So even though you end up being kind of a psychopath boyfriend, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that prank goes a little too hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's one of the moments that really warms my heart though, because that is kind of this Friday the 13th tradition that they did that every single movie had like this really long previously on that as the installments went along and they actually had continuity, they had to keep telling you like, how did it start? <laughs> right. Who's Jason who almost died, who did die. So where's Jason now? <laughs> it's kind of like what it was. And I liked in this one that's ever since he died, essentially, in I think it was part four is where he dies like as a human, you know, from five onward, he's this campfire tale. 
And I just love that that's what they did here on this boat as him kind of just doing the whole recap thing without really just doing it again. (laughs) They decided to put it in some exposition (laughs) and treat him with what I've always felt. The reason why I like Jason so much is for me, he is a camp legend that you tell you tell at the campfire yeah yeah like the ultimate one yeah 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 and i kind of like that that he's become like i mean obviously they're movies but they have become this kind of folklore when you go to a camp now you think jason just because it's so ingrained in our culture you know like it's kind of jason and freddie like more than even like leatherface or any of them like they've kind of broken out of pop culture and they're just in our culture now and yeah. so it's interesting and it's like interesting like that you know even though it's called jason takes manhattan i was surprised that it starts in manhattan and then we make our way to uh the camp crystal lake but i think that that was a cool way to open it and also i don't know if you guys noticed but like it was very clear that the opening scenes were just like b-roll of the scenes that they had to film later like they didn't go to any extra scene like places in oh in yeah, New York. yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> Or maybe it was, but, you know, foreshadowing for the events that we're going to see later. Very true. Uh, I like the thing sure. it was foreshadowing. Yeah, and add that, some artistic uh, merit to it that it needs. Yeah. 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 It was really <laughs> shot really well in New York. Like, everything in New York looked really cool. Like, it was well, super I mean, moody. That, that rat that's in that weird toxic waste barrel. <laughs> yeah. It was just, like, gross and cool. I think the whole movie was shot really well. Like, there's, like, there's scenes where they're in, like, the captain's whatever like where you drive the ship and they just put like green background like mood mm-hmm. lighting and then there's like red lighting and it's like yeah they could have a hundred percent just like shot this normal and like just the fact that it's a ship it kind of gives you a creepy feeling anyway because everyone's kind of creeped out by the thinkingness of ships but the fact that yeah. they added the color and stuff i think it like pushed it over the edge and i was like really paying attention to how much the cinematography was is that how the other ones are no, actually, I mean, I think that Jason Lives comes the closest because that one's trying to emulate your more kind of hammer horror style gothic movie, since it is a Frankenstein story of this, you know, dude is resurrected through yeah. electricity. And then they go into the, like the whole campfire tale idea, but it's an 80s movie. So that you know, you had a lot, like think of like American Werewolf in London, that kind of vibe. Right. Yeah. You know, whereas most of them are very clearly trying to rip off the original Halloween and that really gritty camera style and trying to stay as serious as they possibly can. But yeah. I think once you zombify him, people realize, like, can I just have some fun with this? <laughs> just see right. what I can do with my camera work and stuff. Yeah. yeah. As soon as, like you said, Andrew, it's like it, when as soon as you have mon- a monster here, it turns into a monster movie and you can film it like, like one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think, like, especially because this was 1989, and you can definitely see that kind of... You can see the 90s kind of there on the brink, but they hadn't crossed over, and it's... To me, this is my favorite, like, era for some reason. I really like the way the clothing looks, the way the cinematography was. Like, it has, like, that creep show style um, lighting with it, and then, like... The the clothing, especially like Kelly Wu, it's, this is her first movie. Um, she's dressed like in tights and like high waisted shorts and like a shirt, and then there's like another shirt underneath. And it's just like it's very, it feels very like TGIF kind of when I was growing up, and I just really like that aesthetic. So I just I was like in love with everything that was happening on screen. Once they kill Jason, you know, for real. 
in the well not for real but in the movies and they he turns into zombie jason you have to find a way to like bring him back to life and so it's always interesting how they did it and i feel like this one was the most this one was the most like they really thought about how to do this because he's at the bottom of the ocean he's chained there and then the boat's anchor damages underwater cables and it shocks his corpse to life yeah. So yeah, good. they forgot to put up like the warning signs, like don't drop anchor anywhere around <laughs> yeah. this area. Yeah, right. Uh, t- careful, Jason sleeps here. Uh, what yeah. a nice time to kind of have, you know? <laughs> you might have heard of him around the campfire or from your weird uncle. Yeah, and it is because they've also they also bring him back at one point with like with lightning, right? See, so, yeah, that's the the first time he's resurrected. Is that you have? So that's one of the things I love about this franchise is out of all the slasher franchises, with the exception of maybe the Chucky franchise, that's the only other one I feel is on this level when it comes to continuity. It really right. thinks about what happened before, where are our characters now? Because you had a trilogy with uh, Tommy Jarvis, who is the little boy in Part Four when Jason actually dies. He's the one who kills him. Uh, he's all traumatized. In part five, he's in a you know mental health uh, institute out in the ranch somewhere, and in part six, he's supposedly well adjusted, but you know he's kind of the riffraff of the town who doesn't really have a job or anything because he spent most of his time in like you know healthcare facilities. But he's getting over it, so he goes to confront the body of Jason, and he just gets mad and he throws this uh, kind of pole that's part of a fence. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. you fucking bastard. And he just like throws it at him. And then the lightning strike just hits it. And Jason's just like, oh, hey, shall we continue? And it's like then the movie just kicks off from there. <laughs> See, and that to me, that's cool. Like, and I also like, because I knew about that with, um, with Chucky, that, you know, that Chucky has been the same continuity since the beginning. I did not know that with with Jason. So that's, that's, that's cool. I like that they do. Yeah, that, that is pretty Yeah, cool. it kind of stopped with this one this you know and as you see in this film like the way they get rid of him too seems like they were trying to properly give an end to the character by just melting him down into nothing any movie after (laughs) that had to basically ignore this film because jason is like disintegrated (laughs) what what comes after this one what's jason Uh, nine jason goes to hell yeah oh okay oh well i guess i think it's it's jason goes to hell and then jason x and then freddy versus jason which yeah, then, none of those have any connection to each other. Right. Jason goes to hell has a mild connection to the whole franchise, and I guess in a sense, if it didn't have so the, the only problem with Jason goes to hell is that it has an intro where he's corporeal and walking around. Mm-hmm. If they had just picked up from Jason Takes Manhattan and was like his spirit oh, is around, right. it would have yeah, been yeah, a perfect yeah. sequel. But yeah, that's true. Studios, they th- this was a uh, critical failure. So they were like, let's just never talk about this movie ever. Again. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's funny. And it's, yeah, with, that's the thing that they, Jason has over Freddy. Cause Freddy, by the second movie, they dropped continuity and then they brought it back for two movies and they dropped it again. <laughs> like, who gives a shit? Yeah. They're like, yeah. It's, it's Freddy. You got it. You understand. The um, Halloween's the same way. You know, even the second yeah. one itself is kind of like, mm, we're going to make some things up. It's, yeah well now halloween has like five different timelines where it's like right oh if you're watching this one you gotta only have watched the first one it's the godzilla effect where godzilla does that all the time Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) um and yeah and so like even the characters i thought that they were pretty cool my favorite character was the boxer guy who uh yeah oh yeah that guy was cool 
Yeah, he, and he has one of the best deaths, with, which I won't spoil yet, because we're still on the boat. But oh, like, yeah. yeah he, okay. <laughs> he's like this super cool boxer, and he like kind of takes charge. And it was just kind of cool to see, because like, I feel like when people talk about, you know, horror movie tropes, especially like for slasher movies, Jason, more than any other slasher movie, kind of created a lot of the tropes you know like the oh, killer mm-hmm. keep yeah. coming back the the final girl like it's done a lot of those tropes and it's kind of like cemented them more than any other franchise it's built on it essentially yeah. i mean the whole like i said the whole concept of the original film was you know hey they did a movie about a creepy holiday <laughs> with a serial killer i want to do the same thing and yeah. this camp is really cheap so let's do it in a camp yeah uh, <laughs> And then they rolled with it. They're just looking at what tropes were around and they make a movie off of it. I do feel that's why the franchise itself gets a little lambasted is that there is this kind of corporate cynicism at the origin of it. But then the people who make them, I think, are actually far more horror savvy and good storytellers than they get credit for in some instances because they're making a very intentional product for the most part. Yeah, and you can tell, like, especially with Kane Hodder, that he loves the franchise. And, like, even just reading some of the trivia, it was like he would say, like, oh, no, Jason wouldn't do this, or he didn't want to do something with Jason. Or, like, he said that when they were filming in Times Square, like, people were lined up the block, like, just watching him. And so he didn't want to take off his mask because he didn't uh-huh. want them to see, like, a human playing Jason. Like, oh, right. he'd, like, every once in a while when they were filming, he'd, like, turn around to the crowd just to freak them out, you know? And it's yeah. like, you can see his passion. And like, I didn't really think about the acting required to play Jason until I heard Kane Hodder talk about what he would do to like, how he would separate him from just like Kane Hodder, you know? And the way yeah. he breathes and the way he kind of carries himself, it's stuff that now, especially like, I feel like when you think of Jason, you think of Kane Hodder and it's like, the stuff he put into it showed just how much he loves the character in the franchise. Yeah, that's cool. The, the name Kane Hodder sounds like someone who would be out hunting Jason in real life. <laughs> yeah, that is he looks cool like name. it too. He's such a badass. Yeah, he's just like a huge guy. Yeah. <laughs> that would be an interesting movie to have like Kane Hodder versus Kane Hodder as Jason. Just have right. him. Oh, <laughs> I think he would eat that up. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the coolest thing ever. Yeah, Jason versus Jason. And even like, there's like, um, even the, the main character, I really liked, because she's having like these, they're not really flashbacks, but they're like, and they're not really hallucinations. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And like, it's to Jason as a kid, like kind of stalking her because she's scared of water and Jason's so, he obviously drowned in water. And I thought those were so well done and like, I'm not ever really scared by slasher films, but those were like pretty freaky. I really liked them. Like it felt like haunted housey, you know? Yeah, I I thought that was like her brother or something. I didn't I did make too a for a connection <laughs> like until they literally told me, and I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" Like what? Like on all my notes, yeah. it's like, "What's going on with Rennie?" Like just <laughs> written in all caps, like all over the place. And then I finally found out, and I was like, "That makes so much sense." I'm an idiot. But you so know, I and I. I thought the same thing, and I thought that that was actually pretty cool that they did that. Because, yeah, I, at the first time I saw him, I was like, whoever she's dreaming about looks kind of like baby Jason. Yeah. <laughs> but then they didn't explain Bro. who it was, so I was like, okay, well, I don't know who... I, and then 
at the end you realize it is and it's like oh that was an interesting thing that they let us wait for the reveal you know yeah i will yeah. say she's probably the lowest point for me in the film just because really? it's well no and let me be clear <laughs> i liked the individual scenes as they were shot they were cool mm. but because of those questions that we have you know, I don't feel that there's anything answered to us. It's just more of us going, I think this is what it is. And then right. <laughs> they don't really, yeah. the movie doesn't care about Rennie much at all. And therefore I kind of had true. a problem. It's Jason's movie, 100%. And we just needed a final girl to be in there somehow. And that I will say was kind of weak writing in their part, but on an homage level, just so, you know, for William, you know, uh, it is actually a callback to the movie that came before with part seven. Okay because it was kind of like Carrie versus Jason in that movie. So he gets resurrected through the sheer mental powers of a girl who's like a burgeoning telekinetic psychic. And oh, whenever whoa. she's stressed out, she kind of goes full Carrie and just starts snapping shit apart, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and she gets so upset one day that she tries to hold it all in, but she just wakes him up and he goes on a murder spree. So she starts kicking his ass with her telekinetic powers. It's really cool stuff. Oh, um, it's just just for the sake of cool stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah. as as a lot of things go, for sure. Exactly, especially for the eighties, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and in this case, so you, what you have in Rennie's, you have two different things. It's a reference to that, and it's a reference to Part Three, where the main character in that one keeps having memories of being chased by a man who tried to drown her, who apparently is Jason. We, I, that I can tell you this: this character in Part Three has never been in the other two movies. There's no yeah. moment that that. So they're just kind of referencing a thing that seems to have happened in her life. Uh, and it's yeah. unclear if she's just having a trauma response around Jason or if they've actually met each other. I don't know. Yeah, and it's the same problem with Rennie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's a cool homage because they're referencing two different characters there. But at the same time, I'm like, but did you did you make a character while you were doing it? Because I don't understand <laughs> yeah. what's going on with her story. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah, I, I thought she did a good job. And maybe that's because I, since I have no real connection to the previous one, I was just kind of watching it without that knowledge, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I, and yeah, that is the funny thing is that I feel like you can, any Jason movie, you can kind of watch without seeing the previous ones and just kind of get into it. I mean... It's better if you watch the other ones, but yeah, you can still watch this because I didn't even notice, and so I think uh, I think that helped. Um, yeah, you know, and, I really wanted to have a little bit more time with uh, JJ and Wayne, kind of like hanging out, like rocker girl and film guy. Like I know, a cool dynamic. They the had the cooler story. I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of fun. Like, I don't know, we'll see where this goes, and then a little bit short lived, but. Those were two interesting characters, too. Like, yeah. all the other students were, like, pretty cool. And one thing I liked about all the kids, too, was, like, whenever shit got real, like, everybody was, like, kind of brave. Like, nobody was, right. like, doing, like, stupid stuff that you're, like, okay, like, eye roll. It was, like, they, like, wanted to fight. <laughs> they, like, went and got mm -hmm. a bunch of weapons and, like, were, like, yeah, dude, fuck this guy. We're, well, and, like, the, blood too. the coolest part is when, like, they're, like, the, the uncle is, like, trying to, like, calm everyone down and then the buff, he's, like... You guys, he says something about them getting in trouble at school, and the boxer goes, school's out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's what I was like. That guy's my favorite. Yeah. He's, he's just going around the boat, beating up people in boxing matches and, yeah, and yelling cool. at his professors. Yeah. Yeah. 
such a renegade. Yeah, and I and I think because this uh, there's this one, and then there's um, in Nightmare on Elm Street they have the the I think it's the fifth one, the Dream Child, and they have like again. I keep going back to the fashion. I don't know why. I think it's just because there's '80s fashion and there's '90s fashion, but when you get into this type of fashion that's like um it's like the beginnings of one era and the end of the other it's just so interesting to me the way they kind of like mix it because they're still like it's like they're still trying to hold on to the last one but they're still like but they're trying new stuff and so like i think it really helped differentiate the characters when they were around it also helped that they weren't in count counselor outfits you know yeah 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 for sure because that was plagued pretty much every movie up until like seven no five five well also deviated a bit because it wasn't on a camp but yeah i did love this era of this like late 80s where you're seeing we're gonna take 80s neon but then we're gonna do just some wild shit to it that you've never even thought about and it turns into like (laughs) 90s triangles with colors and stuff but here in that kind of awkward phase it's just punk rock right just like safety Mm -hmm. pins and ripped up t-shirts and stuff Def Jam's like hitting the scene, so like that kind of like fashion yeah. beginning too. Yeah, and I, you know, I even on the boat, I thought a lot of the kills were cool. Like, uh, we'll go into more spoilers, obviously, at this point. But like the guitar kill, yeah. And also, okay, so there's famously there's uh, Friday the Thirteenth Three, which was in three D, and like it's funny to watch that movie now because there's like. It's like 80s 3D, so there's like scenes where they're pointing the camera at you or like pointing things at the camera. Yeah. (laughs) I felt like this one had a couple of those scenes, but I didn't think it was in 3D. I think it's just how the style that they wanted to go for. Yeah. Yeah, that's just POV shots to kind of make it make you feel kind of like, man, wouldn't it suck to look up and see Jason holding that right yeah. now? Right, right. And it was cool. Like, there's like the, the guitar thing where he like shoves it at the camera for the last so part. Good. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> and she has like a hole in her head when you finally see her corpse. Yeah. It's like terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty so metal. bad. Yeah. yeah. And even like the first kill. So like there's that couple on the boat and uh, when Jason comes out, one of the girls is hiding and he like, opens the thing to reveal her and he has like the the harpoon gun that scene takes so long for him to actually like because a lot of the jason scenes or a lot of the jason kills are like the character is like doing something he doesn't notice and then he turns around and jason like kills him but this one takes its time yeah exactly he's like the ninja (laughs) and this the first kill takes its time and i i had never really seen a kill in a j by jason like that and i thought it was super cool i was like Oh man, they're really like reveling in this murder. Yeah, it was kind of like that part in Halloween. Uh, whenever I think he like he like stabs somebody like against a door and just kind of like looks at the corpse for like a while. very reminiscent of that. Bob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that whoever that girl had the perfect scream because and she had to do it a lot. So they, uh-huh. that <laughs> casting was great. The casting overall is great because everyone like looks and sounds how you want them to. You know. Yeah. Yeah, they all fit the roles really, really well. I mean, they got the perfect mean girl in high school for this. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she was great. Oh, my God. She was like, yeah, let's just do a line, biologist. Like, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. No one's going to know. (laughs) I really, I thought it was so, like, I don't know. Every horror movie has, like, weed and, like, booze and stuff. But, like, they just, like, straight out brought the powder. And, like, I thought it was funny, too, because, like, at the beginning, um, that lady gives Rennie a pin 
but I had like looked down for a second and all I heard was I heard that Stephen King used this in high school and I was like, oh, what, blow? <laughs> and then like five minutes later, they're just like, hey, let's do some toot, bro. It's like, yep. yeah, <laughs> here we go. Like, what a high school. That's my kind of place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I think yeah. it's also not to get too like sociopolitical on it, but you know, a lot of your early slasher movies had a more kind of like conservative kick to them where like the rules are based on being chaste and being decent and not doing the bad thing. Right. And then you're, or you're going to get killed. Right. Whereas I love that these later ones, as soon as Jason turned into a zombie, you could see a more kind of progressive, uh, almost renegade anarchist kind of perspective where they're just like, nah, nah, nah. We're, if we're going to do this, we're going to show like, what kind of drugs lead to really shitty people that you'd probably want to see get smashed to bits doing? Right. Because right. let's be honest, coke addicts are the ones that were like, yeah, we well, got the money. You got, you definitely got the attitude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's definitely yeah. An asshole for sure. Yeah. Whereas I, I've never known anybody that smokes weed that I'd be like, you deserve this. I'm going to revel in your misery. Right. I'd be like, oh man, right. you're being way too still, gone. man. You got to go. You're being way too still. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they're on the boat and then eventually Jason gets them off and they so they're like escaping and even when they're they're on the lifeboat and it's showing them like they bump up the fog to like a million and I yeah. thought that really was cool like because it it gives you that sense of like they're able to recreate the sense of when you're on a boat and especially in the middle of the night like how f you really do feel like you're by yourself and I think that that was a cool fun way just to kind of just to kind of get that point across yeah totally I think it's one of the and, stronger elements, actually. You know, a camp isn't as isolated as people might feel it is. If you've been to one, it feels kind of that way. But if you think about it, like, just keep walking. You'll, right. you'll get, yeah. you'll get you'll somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. But you're on a boat now with Jason. Crap. It's a terrible right. situation to be in. Yeah. Right, right. And yeah, and so I, yeah, and I, I really liked it, especially because you knew you were eventually going to get to Manhattan. So the fact that they... The boat is like super claustrophobic, and then the you know the lifeboat. It, it's kind of a good counterbalance to the to the openness of New York City, you know. Yeah, and even when they get to New York City too, it's like they still stay in kind of like alleyways in like the sewers, and like yeah. even like that little restaurant was like kind of like claustrophobic. But I know I know what you mean though. It's like. They, they kind of like they did kind of like make it feel more open being in a city, but they definitely still yeah. kept the, I don't know, the setting to feel like a little bit claustrophobic with the theme they'd kind of had going the whole time in the boat, which I thought was a pretty nice touch. Yeah, and okay, so now let's get to let's let's at the end of our podcast, let's get to the New York City. That'd be funny if we just waited for the last two minutes to talk about New York. Just like it would be movie. appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the thing. I mean, it's famously the main critique. And the way the reason everyone doesn't like this film is because they say that there's not enough time in New York. Apparently, even the screenwriter said that he wrote more scenes in New York. But then they were like, do you know the budget of this movie? Get them all oh. out of here. Yeah, I figured that's why they did it. Like, because those those were cool looking scenes. And yeah, yeah, I figured that I, it had to be budgetary. For and sure. maybe it was because I was expecting them to not be that long in new york because that's i mean that's what it's famous for but i felt like they spent like they went to a bunch of locations you know and being having never been to new york maybe they're all like within the same street <laughs> but to <laughs> me it it did feel like they went all over you know they get they hit all the good points like they see the statue of liberty when they're spotting they see Times square they seem like yeah. some of the 
the different uh like the rooftops like that's what i think of when i think of new york true yeah. there's a lot of new york in it there's a lot of toronto in it as well uh, <laughs> which is for real. Like, all those alleyways and stuff and the rooftops and everything was uh, sewers all toronto uh, mm. That was also part of the budgetary issue. And that, I, I think that was the New Yorkers problem with it. They're like, man, you didn't even film a lot of it on location uh, because like the Times Square one, they were like, that's our that's like half our budget right there because they right, were allowed right. to film with all these advertisements and stuff on Times Square. Yeah, um, yeah you, know, you get a shut down part of the busiest part of New York. <laughs> uh, but still, I quite liked the fact that they kind of tease it for a bit. Would mm-hmm. it have been cool to be there the whole time? I think yes, but it is a different movie then because I guess for yeah. anybody who heard like Jason Takes Manhattan, they're probably imagining more of like an urban take on a Jason story. Like Jason just crawls over oh, to Manhattan yeah. and just starts kicking ass, uh, which could have been cool, but I don't know how we would, I don't know what conversation we would have been having with that film. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, and, and I think maybe that's one of the main critiques is that and you see it a lot on film Twitter where the critique of this movie is more about what they wanted the movie to be. So they're mad that it's not that. But I think like, because I, yeah, that would have been kind of cool to have like, oh, we've never seen Jason actually in the city. So maybe he's like walking the streets. But even like what we have, I think they did a good job. And I think like, yeah, the critiques are definitely like too harsh. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of interesting too. Like even when they did get to the city, like, because it, it would be like if he was like walking down like the street, like everybody'd be freaking out, and it'd be kind of weird. But it's like even like even though he's like in New York City and there's like all kinds of people around, like he still just has like his own targets. Like he's not yeah. just like yeah. walking to places and just like lobbing off heads like left and right. Which I was right. like, how are they gonna do this like city stuff? And it's like <laughs> they did set up that he was after these people exclusively. It's all he. That's all we know he wants to do. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like I, one part of me would have loved a huge just like jason bloodbath in times square but it was cool that they just like even like on the subway he just walks straight just to those kids like that's yeah that's all he wants to kill it's what i've always loved about jason though is he's always had quite a specific focus since he is this more kind of weirdly trauma-based character very simplistic of course but he's just kind of like these specific things i don't like and i will kill you for them Right. right. Also, get off my damn land. It's kind of what he is constantly. Yeah, come on. You know. So that, I love you. Take him out of his element, and he's just like, "Hey, you do you. This is your area." Right. Right. It's like a cat. It's like a cat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> damn your cats. Yeah. What? And okay. So like, I have I I have a favorite scene. I won't say yet, but my second favorite scene is there's that scene where he's like walking. I think he's in Times Square, and he like passes those punk rocker guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, and they're like, like, hey, what are you doing, buddy? And he like takes off his mask, and we don't see what they see yet, but they get all freaked out. And like, I just like that idea of they don't like. They're like, yeah, he's a hockey player. We see that in New York all the time. And then he has to take off his masks to scare him because everyone else is kind of gone to Jason, and like, as soon as they see him, they get right. freaked out. So it was funny to have the reverse of that, where it was like, and then again, like William was saying. It's funny that Jason doesn't just kill those guys because he clearly could have, but he does that face thing and then he just kind of goes about his way, you know? Yeah, he knows, yeah, exactly what he's doing. And it cuts like right to like 
a cigarette being put into a, a bunch of eggs, which, is yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, 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 which in of itself is pretty nasty. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty. It's like the equivalent of like what they saw for our own emotions. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I also, it's so Tim Burton esque, isn't it? To just have somebody just like turn around and show yeah. a face that you don't see, and they're just like, ah, and they're like, anyway, back to to business. Yeah, like that really good yeah. line of kind of like <laughs> horrific, but also like hilarious at the same time. Yeah. And I think that maybe that's another thing that Jason lives being the first of the movies that went for zombie Jason. It knew that it was doing something that was just so utterly ridiculous that they needed to make it to where it was so great that it was utterly ridiculous. So it went there. It it really kind of like it didn't like ham fist it down your throat, but there's a constant wink and a nod at we are being a satire of other types of movies and our own franchise is what they did. Right. You know, really have like dun, dun, dun kind of music and fog and all that <laughs> stuff in it, you know? Uh, there's even like, you know, the YouTuber dead meat. Yes. The, you know, James got the title from Jason lives because I mean, there's a lot of other movies, but he said that the big one is because he, you know, he was starting with Jason for the kill count. And one of the lines from Jason lives is he had these kids because also another th- time, it was the first time that you had kids at the camp, but you know there are a lot of jokes, and even the kids get to you know tell jokes. And they said, "What do you think is going to happen?" Is like me, I think we're dead meat. Yeah, you know, just being a kid about it. <laughs> and I think that part eight does the same, but I do feel that you can see where the studio cut a lot of things out and got in the way of a lot of other things, and then mm. perhaps it wasn't as fun to make, and therefore the sense of humor kind of just drifted away when making it. Where yeah. you know, I like them playing it kind of straight, but I wanted more of those moments, like him kicking the radio and turning towards the camera when he sees the big uh, mask, like hockey mask factory uh, sign. Right. And I think if we had had a little bit more of that on the boat as well, just kind of yuck, yuck, you know, Jason's kind of in on the joke. Uh, I think it would have been a very beloved entry in the franchise. Yeah. 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 I think that's true. And okay, so I mean. I'm going to talk about my favorite scene. It's a huge spoiler, but I feel like this is also one of the most famous scenes in the whole movie. And it's, again, my favorite character is the boxer. And yeah, here we go. He gets he gets into a fight with Jason. And he's like punching him. Because like the whole movie, they've been setting up how tough this guy is. Like he beat up pretty much everyone who wanted to fight him on the boat. And so, and he's been like, you know, talking about like, or he's just been take charge the whole time. And he's like survived up until this point. He gets into a fight with Jason and he's just wailing on Jason and Jason's like, nothing's happening because it's Jason. And so eventually yeah, his name's Julius and Julius gets so tired that, um, that he's like exhausted and Jason punches and they're on top of a roof just to make it even better. And Jason punches him one time and he cuts off his head. <laughs> yeah. And it goes flying off the roof. <laughs> I like that Jason like took the punches too. Like he like, yeah, we'll give this guy some respect. We'll we'll see how far he can get, and he just like lets him wail on him for like a minute and a half. He's like, well, you had your best shot. Here's mine. Here's it's mine. Better. The it's delivery, so yeah. Like Kane Hodder's whole performance there too, because I think Julius even says like, well, what you got, something like that. And I yeah, just love how yeah, like right Jason could have just swung and hit, which would have been amazing. But I love how he grabbed him by the shirt to stand him up. And almost like he didn't pat him on the chest. Like, this is going to be like, good job, kid. He just, but he did put his hand on his chest to kind of like line up the shot really nicely. 
Yeah. It, like it almost felt respectful, like as a jest. Yeah. Almost, I, I you know? <laughs> yeah. It was a really yeah. weird kind of like cool moment between the two of them. Like yeah, like such like a like a Spartan death or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. definitely. Yeah, if like I was gonna say like yeah, it felt like OK Corral. Like they're both like giving you the best they got. You know. Yeah. And yeah, that scene and like that scene is. I mean, it's become a gif. It's a, like a meme, but. Even so, watching it happen in the show, and especially once you know the character of Julius, it's just such a cool scene. So such amazing. a great moment. Yeah. yeah, that was good. William, do you have a favorite scene? Um, I mean, I honestly really liked um, the boxing scene for sure. I liked the rat in the toxic waste bin. Um, uh, let's see. I liked whenever the junkies, like at the very beginning, were like... <laughs> He was like spraying a syringe and I thought it was like heroin at first. And I was just like, damn, these junkies are like super chill. I mean, like super active and like together for like heroin addicts. And then like later on, it's like they talk about it, like they're shooting up cocaine and just right. the rampant excess of cocaine usage in this movie throughout <laughs> was my favorite. Oh, so much. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it, whenever they finally mentioned that it was cocaine for some reason, that just like really tickled me. Yeah. But then he freaking, he shoots Rennie up and it's like Rennie probably has HIV now. And oh. also, like, didn't get high from getting, like, injected with drugs. Like, she can handle her drugs really well, which I thought was, like, a really interesting character twist for, for Rennie's whole persona. Like, yeah. there. like she can what handle an arc. narcotics. Like, <laughs> what else is yeah. she doing? How traumatized is she from getting she pushed off stood... the boat by her weird-ass uncle? She should have stood in the toxic waste, just drank it, and shown everybody her strength. Exactly. Like, but she couldn't because then they would know. Exactly. Fair <laughs> and out. and uh, did you have a favorite scene, Chandler? So I have a few little favorite things, little nods and stuff here and there. Um, I, I mean, obviously, Julius's death. This is one of the best scenes in the entire film. Um, I particularly loved the scene in the dance room. That's, that's, you know, I just loved the whole disco ball lights and everything and that. And Jason's just kind of like teleporting around the room. is like, oh, we've gone full teleport. I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they just, they, the gloves came off in that scene and I was really happy with it. It also gave us one of the most iconic images as well with his uh, head and arm coming out of that porthole, trying to choke somebody. Love that. Oh, yeah. Movie. Cool. Um, this is also my favorite version of Jason just because he's wet all oh, the right. time oh yeah for He's sure a moist yeah, moist boy <laughs> i like it uh very sopping if you will uh and yeah. <laughs> poor old cane hotter just glycerin and water for hours and hours on it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but uh, so this is this is cheating because it's a deleted scene but it's a gif i found online and i'm like that I hate that this is not in this movie because you know the moment where he kicks the big boom box, how that's just one of those way. Hey, Jason's a badass kind of moments. Yeah. There's yeah. another moment like that. That is even better for me is when they go into the subways and they're going down on the escalators and they're all kind of like, ah, excuse me, excuse me. And they're diving in and out of people. And he just comes up to this one dude, grabs him by the shoulder and just plants his ass down. Like move. <laughs> it is the <laughs> most cathartic thing I've ever seen from a film. Cause you just want to do it all the time. I live in Amsterdam, which is basically like the miniature version of New York city. It is oh, very congested. Like super congested, way overpopulated, very gotcha. crunched in together too. Like the landmass is not that big, but we are that populated. We have a mm -hmm. Metro system that is pretty much a subway system. And you want to do it all the time. You just want to be like, get yeah. the hell out of the way. Yeah. That gift is just constantly playing through your head like every time oh, you commute. Is. 
every time anybody makes me mad, really, I'm just like, yeah. move. <laughs> yeah. It's such yeah. a... And I, th- I, maybe I just felt too much with Jason in this movie. I just felt like <laughs> right. all the other movies, he's just kind of like, oh, I'm stressed out and people are on my land and go away. And, oh, I'm having memories. And in this one, he's just like, man, will you stop waking me up? That's it. I'm killing everybody. Move, move. Yeah. Just get off this. Oh, oh, I'm stuck on the boat now, too. Thanks. It's like he's just so inconvenienced the whole film. And I just kind of I understand him. I get him. Yeah, it's, it's the true inspiration for the Shrek franchise, really. I, exactly. He is the first <laughs> Shrek. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, whenever Jason's face was like finally um, revealed, do you guys remember like that show that was like about like puppet dinosaurs? Yes. Oh yeah. Like, Thank you. Yeah. The, it was like the little baby was like baby. what Jason finally looked like. It's like that's that that's him. That's the baby all grown up. He, he does makes look a like baby that. Baby. <laughs> He does cry like a baby too. Like yeah. oh my! So oh, what yeah. we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to find an audio clip of not the mama and then put it yeah, on top. Yes, of... that's what he was. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. definitely gonna do a comparison for the YouTube. Version. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. <laughs> so funny. And you know, and okay, so we all right before because I do want to talk about the toxic waste, but I do before we get there. It is revealed that the uncle threw. Um, Rennie into the water and that's why she has her fear of water because he told her about Jason and then I don't know why because he was trying to get her into the water <laughs> and then he throws her into the water and then Jason actually like kid Jason is like pulling at her yeah and that's why she's scared and that's who she's been seeing the whole time yeah and I thought that that was like that was a cool reveal again because like the whole time I thought that it was like either a manifestation of her grief or like maybe it was her brother or something and then to be like, oh no, Jason has just been like plaguing this girl for the last for her right. entire life. You know, don't get near water because Jason's gonna find you there. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and I also I also liked how just like on board with like her suffering, her like boyfriend guy was like he just like pushes <laughs> her uncle down. And she's like, you fucking jerk. Like, you don't even know what happened, man. Like, you weren't yeah. there. No one knows the story. But he was just, like, on her side, like, just yeah. automatically. I was like, that's a keeper. Like, that's that guy it. needs to stick around in your life. Mm-hmm. Unconditional love. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. He, he was he was going against type and being a good horror boyfriend. So good for you. Yeah. And he pushed your uncle into a bunch of shredded pieces of paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, for the finale of this movie... They do something again that I feel like was way more of a thing in the 80s than it is now. But a lot, almost all of the end part of this film involves toxic waste. Yeah. Which, which there's not enough. Movies don't involve toxic waste anymore. And I feel like we should more than ever now with how the environment is. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we got here was all the fucking toxic waste. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That the guy that was working in the sewers was just like, "You guys are lucky I'm around because there's literally going to be a flood of toxic waste in ten minutes." And I'm like, "What is this system?" <laughs> yeah, I thought the yeah. same thing. Like, how, how funny it was! Like, because the implication is is that New York creates so much toxic waste that every <laughs> night the entire underground tunnel system is filled with poisonous acid toxic waste. <laughs> It's the same universe as the turtles, man. Like yeah, I was in the explanation. Same. <laughs> I was really disappointed that there wasn't an attempt at some sort of half-assed reference to the Ninja Turtles, even if it was just like a turtle with the katana like crawling on it or something. Yeah, it would have like, been please. cool. <laughs> yeah, that would have been so funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
or just on a pizza. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Different I guess we did. We saw a Splinter. That was Splinter in the. We did see the Toxic Barrel. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we could have oh, had like Annie was in Toxic Barrel. We could have yeah. had like an empty turtle shell in the sewers, and then Jason could have used it as a weapon against somebody. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. That would be cool. cool. Yeah. Smash yeah. it against their face or exactly. push it into their chest like a rock. In a Throw it on a frisbee. All kinds of options there. Yeah. <laughs> and even like the uncle is killed by Jason drowns him in the barrel of toxic waste. And again, there's just barrels of toxic waste. Yeah. Just kind of hanging out, you know. <laughs> you know, the junkies gotta find a, a source gotta, for their needles, I guess. Yeah, they yeah, gotta man. sit down somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I love that like pre Travis Bickle tra- like New York, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I love that like, you know, in this one and in Robocop and even in Ninja Turtles, like there's no real like, oh, here's where the toxic waste is coming from. It's just like, no, you're in a city. Of course, there's just like huge bats of toxic waste all over the place. Yeah. And I just love that, like that little thing that I guess all of Hollywood agreed upon in the 80s, that there's just like toxic waste everywhere you need it to be. Yeah, it it's had really the unspoken be... trope, like. Yeah, yeah heart hitting like, right? docu series on the toxic waste. Right. You really could. I, I, it has to be that somebody used it once as like mm-hmm. a metaphor for just toxicity in a city, and yeah. then they're just yeah. like others rolled with it to the point that they forgot why, but it still yeah. applied. Because <laughs> right. wasn't this around the time that Ghostbusters two came out? Yeah, because Ghostbusters two came out yeah. in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, well, that has a great spin on it because they do like toxic ecto- ectoplasm. That is right. just like feeding oh, yeah. off of actual like emotional toxicity. So that's your toxic waste, which is kind of cool. But yeah. I I don't know. There is something just so nostalgic and wonderful about the image of New York with barrels of green ooze coming out of it. <laughs> I know. It's so cool. It's like so comic. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's very comic booky. And I think that that's like, yeah. And I think it makes it and it fits perfectly in this film. Like the it's not like a weird. Why is that here? Like it, it fits the tone 100 percent. And I think that that's super cool. So yeah, so eventually they're like in the subway and even like, because the subway city worker is like, hey, you guys need to get out of here because New York is going to fill up with toxic waste in like 20 minutes. And then Jason grabs that guy and they show him getting murdered, but they show him through the shadows. So you just see Jason and the guy's shadow as he kills him. And again, I thought that like, I really thought that every kill in this movie was super original. And I, you know, I know that's a staple of the franchise, but I liked all of them and the way they kind of kept going and trying to even up themselves like their own ante, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I even and like whenever, like whenever the toxic waste was like coming at Jason, I think he like, he like looks at it and then like water like pours out of his own mouth and he's like, he like yeah. whispers mother or something like that. Oh yeah. Like that was like pretty good. I was like, Oh man, that's like, like the whole <laughs> yeah. time I was kind of like, I don't really know about Jason as a character. Like I don't know enough about him. And then, like, that scene happened, and I was like, that's, like, a really interesting way to give him some depth. Like, that, yeah, was, that was a really cool way for him to, to leave the movie. And I think that kind of goes back to what Chandler was saying, where it's like, yes, I mean, I think they were literally like, you guys got to switch this Jason up and send him to Manhattan or do something. But, like, you can, again, like, just that little moment, it's, it's like they clearly thought about so much, and they put so much work into the creative kills, the way Jason carries himself, that scene that it, it doesn't feel as corporate as it should or it could have, you know? Yeah. And it isn't in that sense. So, I mean, they got right. a lot of creative freedom. I mean, you get the... So, just like every 
every freaking Friday the 13th movie, you do have them just like, no, 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 you can't have that kill. No, we're going to make five seconds of that not appear on screen. Uh, That person's just going to disappear now. So they have all kinds of shit that they filmed that never made it to cut because the studio was like, "Mm -mm, no, (laughs) sensor board's going to be pissed. You can't do that. Uh, Or they change kills at the last second. And you can feel it every now and then they had to change their plans. Um, so you can feel studio involvement, but I felt that whoever was making it had that kind of nice rock and roll kind of spirit while they were doing it. Um, and I guess it, the biggest problem was the promise that they don't really deliver on. And it, the thing is though, the marketing of this movie was the same spirit of the marketing of the original movie. The original movie, they just said text Friday the 13th. There was no footage of the film. It was just that opening like clash of it hitting the screen. Because oh, yeah. they didn't know what it was about. It was just, <laughs> oh, they just had newspaper clippings of like, you better be scared this Friday the 13th. And they're like, we make a fucking Yeah, trust now. us. Yeah, just trust us on this. And that's same thing so here. Cool. They're like, how about Jason Takes Manhattan? So they pitched it. People were like, that's fucking cool. They got the design for Jason. He went on the Arsenio Hall show. Uh, <laughs> and they didn't really, yeah, once they went to the studio, studios were like, I'm not paying for that. Yeah. Uh, and then they had to make it work, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think that's cool. And you kind of forget that, like, I know that, you know, corporate movies become kind of a bad word. And because, I mean, they can get overly, especially now with the studios trying to hit algorithms. But you forget that, like, the Coppola only did Godfather 2 for corporate so he could get paid. Like, he did not want to do Godfather 2. And so. You see these kind of things where it's like, yeah, they had the limitations, but they were able to like look at what they were able to do within those limitations, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I never, you know, I feel like when we started this conversation, I didn't think I was going to be comparing Godfather 2 to Jason Takes Manhattan, but <laughs> here we are. Yeah, here, here we, we are. are. Yeah, exactly. Problems create creativity. You know? Yeah. And then, phrases. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, uh, um, yeah, and I think like the movie kind of ends where you think it's gonna end, but it's still cool. And again, like there's a last shot of Jason's mask, and it's kind of floating in the water. And the way they filmed it, it kind of looks like like skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And That's I thought, cool. yeah, and I don't know if that was because of whatever they used to make that mask or if it was intentional, but I thought that was super like a good way to, especially if like. You were saying this was this might have been the last one. I thought that was a super cool way of kind of like showing the last image of the mask. Yeah, and and like the lightning coming down to like the Statue of Liberty kind of like almost made it feel like like a Lovecraftian kind of thing. Like yeah, Jason's spirit is like this like I don't know elder god or something like that. Yeah, like the cycle had ended basically. Yeah, yeah, an omen has finally completed. Uh uh, and honestly, I think if it had been the last one, I think it was a pretty good fit uh, for it. I, The only thing I don't and I really, really dislike about it is the fact that they did try to do a definitive death. I think that if you had just left it open and not had the intentions of continuing it, it's just it shows a lack of foresight on the part of the studios. Whereas I'm like, you could be disinterested in something now, but how could you not consider 10, 20 years down the road when you would make just bucket tons of money of just resurrecting this thing out of nowhere and i think because of the fact that they tried to kill it and it was such a popular thing also with freddie continuing well into the 90s you just you know you had to keep going you had to keep competing you had to keep your rights 
And then, of course, you, you suddenly put yourself in the position to, what do we do? Do we make prequels or do we make sequels that just completely ignore something when what was going yeah. for you so strongly was that you could watch every movie in a row and be like, what a wild ass story. What a timeline yeah, we have on totally. our hands. And it just kind of goes to what people now know slashers to be. You know, the sentiment we have nowadays is like, eh, it's just a bunch of teenagers going to get killed. Uh, yeah. It's going to have this, you know, it's about all the kills and stuff. Whereas I'm like, I don't, I don't always agree with that. I think sometimes there's really good stories being told. And if you look at Halloween, that one for it just being about that still had a lot more going on in, into it. And um, it's just an interesting thing how you get that kind of split of opinion, mainly because the studios themselves kind of shot themselves in the foot when they could have had like really cool continuity and explored more about Jason's psychology because they, they, they do in other movies. But look at us now. We're constantly rebooting the franchise because they're like, well, they ended it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I'm like, damn it. No, I just want a part 11 at this right. point. That's all I right. want. <laughs> and like, on the other <laughs> hand, look at how successful and cool it is to watch like the Chucky TV series where exactly. they can bring Tiffany back and they can bring Andy back because they have a grasp on their continuity and they know what's they they've they've never trapped themselves in a corner where they're like, oh, we can't do this anymore, you know? And I think that, that that just makes it so much funner. Yeah. And like, and again, look at Halloween where it's like, even though I liked um, that 2018 Halloween, it is kind of weird that they like, it's like, watch Halloween one and then this one. Don't watch any of the other ones. And it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just way cooler when they kind of try to keep the continuity. There's also, a, like, I think 2018 Halloween is a good example of my sentiment because for me, what that movie does is kind of the antithesis of what the original Halloween does as a slasher film. It's more of a Friday the 13th movie than it is a Halloween clone or sequel. Unless you're like a sequel to like part four or part five, you know, where they did right. get a little bit more fun with it. And so it shows like it is a weird tonal shift. You watch the original and then you watch the 2018 one and story continuity is there. But the Michael Myers I'm seeing on display just seems so much more we're going to kill as many people as we could possibly kill right. in wackadoodle yeah. fun ways as possible. I'm like, well, I think Jason was kind of the high five slasher guy. Michael Myers was the I'm glad I've never met you kind of slasher guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. No, and I, I won't spoil and I, I won't spoil this, but I will say at the very end, a character comes back that I forgot was in the movie. But once he came back, I was like, oh, my God, I love this ending. <laughs> You'll have to oh, see yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. At the very even get a little POV shot. Yeah, even gets a POV <laughs> shot. So a lot of fun. But yeah, overall, uh, Chandler, do you have any last thoughts on Jason Takes Manhattan? I, I really feel that this is of the whole uh, like '80s run, the only proper like meta movie that we have. I mean, the sixth one is a nice pastiche. It really makes fun of and parody of a lot of other. Uh, movies in itself a little bit but this one's like a proper scream like meta friday the 13th movie for its own universe you know what i mean it'd be as if like scream four and five were only referencing the scream movies at that point and so i just think that that's what i would love for anybody who's listening to this to go watch it again with that mindset and see what kind of grin you might get on your face but i will say to william's point it is a tough watch in isolation if you're looking for a specific thing and right. it's still fun, but 
yes, you are definitely missing out if you haven't just marathoned it and reached part eight. Right. Right. Okay, cool. William, any last thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of picking back off of what Chandler said about what I was saying too. <laughs> to repeat myself essentially um i thought that was i I thought it was pretty fun um if you're following the podcast um if you listen to the riddick one that we just did i I feel kind of like similarly to how i felt about riddick a little bit where sometimes it's like you kind of wish that there was maybe more location stuff kind of going on like i would have liked more new york but i don't know after having talked about it like with you guys it's like I don't know. It does seem like I would kind of like to go back and see more Friday the Thirteenth movies. It's it's been a blind spot in my horror repertoire for a long, long time, and I could tell that they were having fun with it. And I kind of want to be in on those jokes. But even not having been on the jokes, I still thought there was just so much like wackiness and punk rockers listening to hip hop, which was pretty cool. And just I don't know, people in New York yelling at each other. Jason being <laughs> his like cool predator self, but only going after the certain people. Yeah, like I don't know. It, it was fun. I I wish I could see it as a super fan, but having not seen it as a super fan, I still enjoyed my my hour and a half for sure. Yeah, and I'll, it's also funny. One of the trivia things was that this movie's uh, hundred minutes, and they're like, "This is the longest Jason movie ever," and it's it's funny because that's not long at all. Which is good job, yeah. good job, Friday the Thirteenth franchise. You keep them short, and I love you for it. Yeah, um, I was definitely never bored. I never felt like it was yeah. like overstepping its bounds or anything like that like it was it was fast paced it was yeah it was cool it was it was definitely a solid horror film for sure yeah. i don't i don't understand why it's so hated like that's that's surprising to me hearing that you guys are saying that it's one of the least liked in the series i didn't really find oh, it to be it's one of the least liked in slasher history yeah it's crazy it makes me feel like, like i have is... bad taste right. <laughs> no no everybody's just not watched it in a long time I yeah. right. <laughs> and i well my final thoughts will be that you guys already know the reputation of this movie that the climax takes place in new york but it you have to get there in the boat and having i feel like me going in with that information really let me sit back and enjoy what was happening on the boat and like really have fun with it and like pay attention to the lighting. I don't know if I mentioned that I like the costumes, but I did that. Um, <laughs> and so I really think that if you go in with that knowledge that this movie is going to have take place on a boat and then get to New York, it's a really cool movie. And like me coming from someone who's not the biggest fan of slashers or the Friday 13th movie. I had a lot of fun with it. I was definitely not expecting to like it as much as I did. Um, And so, yeah, I would say give it a chance, maybe kind of look through it with the knowledge that it's half on a boat (laughs) in New York. And I think you'll really find that it's a lot more enjoyable than people, than its reputation. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. That's crazy it has that reputation. I know. I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't know that going well, in. Well, and it's funny because Jandler was saying that it's kind of like a sequel and a send-up, and I think that the other movie that does that is Freddy's Dead, and that's why it's my favorite. But I also feel like maybe that's why they're hated more than other films because it's kind of like maybe the audience doesn't like send-ups on, yeah. on the proper continuity. But I just think, yeah, I think that, you know... Again, when you're like nine, eight movies in, the filmmakers got to take some chances, and I think like let them let them do that. And I think that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So well, thank you, Chandler, for joining us. Will you tell people? And I'll put the links in the bio or in the comments for the YouTube and the podcast. But will you tell people where to find you? Um, sure. 
Uh, also, I had a little experiment in my mind just now. I was curious if I might try it with you real quick. And oh, yeah, I'll go ahead. Go okay, so right now, with the name Jason Takes Manhattan, what would you rate out of five for this film? Um, I would probably rate it like a 3.5. What about you, William? I'd probably give it a three. Okay. If it were named Jason Dead Man's Float, what would you have rated it then? Uh, I'm going to rate it uh, two because I love the name Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> ah, fair enough. <laughs> and the only reason I bring it up is just like the promise of Jason Takes Manhattan. It's a good title. But yeah. I just wonder if they had gone for a more nautical boat, Jason on a boat kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, honestly, I, I would have my rating a little more. bit more. I would have had more fun watching it. Because I, right. I honestly thought that like maybe I missed a scene where like the boat was called Manhattan or something. Uh. <laughs> and I was just like, where, like, what is happening here? Like, why are we nice you know on this boat for so fucking long? And now that you were saying it, I do wonder how cool. Like, I feel like you're a little bit right that if this movie was called Jason at Sea and it ends in New York, where you weren't expecting it. I think Liberty Island. Yeah, audiences would have been like, oh my God, can you believe that part in New York was the best part? You know, yeah. like, where the fuck is this camp? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. So, yeah, cool. I anyway. think a lot of it. I mean, and also, like, you'll see in the YouTube, but the posters are like, it's like the I Love New York with Jason cutting through it. It's Jason, like, over hovering over the city with his hands. And those are like the most famous mm. posters. And all the promo shots are like Jason in Times Square, Jason on the subway. So they really, really leaned heavy on the Manhattan thing. And I think that that probably also added to the to the blowback. But yes. So I, Andrew, wouldn't have liked it to change the name, but I feel like audiences would have loved it. Yeah, I would have liked it. You would have liked, there you go. I think psychologically it just would have worked a little bit better for people. It's like, it's the eighth movie. They would have seen it. It didn't matter, you know. Right, um, yeah. If you're going to go see a Jason, in, he could have been anywhere. He could have been precisely. in Greenland. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that, Jason in Greenland. <laughs> yeah, it's like all these lumberjacks versus Jason. Exactly. It's like axes versus like machetes. Yeah, that would have been so oh, cool. Yeah. There you go. Write it. <laughs> pitch it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after that experiment, yeah. So uh, where can everybody find me? What's going on? So you can find me on Twitter at underscore shockaholic is my name. Podcast, Beauty of Horror find also on twitter it's at beauty horror pod and i also am the editor-in-chief for a website uh, that is kind of like a, a written extension of the podcast which is just titled the beauty of horror but the url is spreadthebeauty.org since spread the beauty is kind of like a catchphrase for the podcast and there i have a lot of what we do in the podcast that is in written form so i'm getting writers an opportunity to you know jump somewhere uh just to talk about aesthetics and i want to be kind of like a hub for just writers in general i don't want to like shy away from all the other publications that exist and like treat them like competition instead i kind of want to just give everybody like links to where can you find them outside of this other you know i don't really care where they are other than my website uh and we also have a member area that is uh called the flock where for just five dollars a month you will have uh, your membership fees go towards paying for the articles that you'll have in your exclusives for the member area so that people can get paid opportunities nice and early as well. So the pool of money just kind of goes to the people that we hire to write articles for that. And it's been a little slow to start. I only started about a month ago, but it's uh, kicking up. I got a few more articles coming up and also special nice. podcast episodes there too. Very exciting. Cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. 
And yeah, the beauty of horror podcast is super cool. It's it was super fun to be on, but it's also super fun just because like, like you said, you view it from a different lens and it makes even like movies that I've seen before, it makes it interesting to hear you guys talk about that kind of, that kind of way of looking at it. So I think, I think it's a super cool one. So go check it out, guys. Look under Meath and see the links and follow them. And then, um, yeah, well, thank you for coming on the podcast, Chandler. Thanks for having me. It was, yeah. it's been fun. I will always yeah. defend this movie. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's always that fun thing. Yeah, I think, and I think you kind of won William over a little bit. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I, I want to see more Jason and, movies now. Got and you. see, and that's kind of the whole point of the podcast. We just want people to. It doesn't mean you have to like. Oh, if you you have to like every movie, it just means we want you to think about even movies like Jason Takes Manhattan or Final Destination Five. Like, think of them critically because if you're just like, if you're just dismissing them right away you're losing out on so much art and so much cinema. And so, yeah. yeah and I right. think that's why these are always my favorite episodes where we're really getting into why, it's, why you should give it a second look. And so, yeah. so yeah, thank you so much for coming on, check the links, go follow, and we'll see you guys next time on the bomb squad. Thank you for listening to the bomb squad. Please give us a review and subscribe to us because it really helps us and it really means a lot. Thank you so much and we'll see you guys next time.